I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. Run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter, or use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element, where I highlight Fifth and hip hop, which is knowledge, because we're doing it digging style. That's the podcast. You say you can get some. It's easier said than done. Hi Ben. He's just going off on a I'm just letting you cook. I didn't know where you were going with it, but I was just gonna let you let you ride. I man, just you know, surviving, surviving to to GTA San Andreas classic, the the real ones known. Just trying to. I'm just trying to work Shout out. Shout to Radio Los Santos. Trying to work the greatest out. Greatest fake radio station ever. Oh, for sure, for sure, absolutely. Go- I mean, that's it's go- a small pool, right? But it, it is the it is the biggest fish in a a small pond. Fake radio stations. Yeah, it's, it's up there. Radio Los Santos. Damn, just endless bangers. Endless Can you believe that that the weekend just created the idea of Dawn <laughs> FM? Like, what a genius! Like, rinsed it. We've rinsed it. Oh, we did it already. Gosh, we did it already. Oh we did no, it when we listened to it. We're running out of material. <laughs> Fuck. You're running out of material. <laughs> I'm always fresh. Hi, Ben. Uh, How's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? I'm trying to figure out this freaking wordle. <laughs> if you guys are... Jesus this is This is Monday for me. It'll probably be Sunday for everyone else. And you'll know if you play wordle. I'm like, where, what is going on here? I've, I'm at filth and I, I, I'm I stuck. Oh, my gosh. I've got two guesses left. Anyway. Um, yeah. What I listened to this week... Uh, Nija, don't say I didn't warn you. Stacked full of toxic trysts and reality checks. Um, this record is just Nija dropping gem after gem on us. On call made me question my own sexual literacy. Uh, someone else and you don't love her are soundtracks to just those lost late nights dreaming about exes. Uh, she lurches between toxicity, self-love and confidence pining for the past and looking hopefully to the future. Just as we are all complex creatures devoid of linear definitions, such as this record, it's a musical expression of the messiness our 20s often engulf us in. And certainly some of her more challenging lyrics for me were rooted in negative headspaces I was experiencing from the ages of maybe 25 to 30. You know, looking to exes and casual situationships to fill the void that I was feeling and uh, she hasn't yet offered a solution in her music but she definitely doesn't have to yet you know she's only 24 and I'm really fascinated to hear where her journey goes from here I I thought that that was a great album it really threw me back into some of the emotional spaces I was existing in in my 20s Um, so shout out to that record Enelie Chopper me vs me bro this has been slated to drop for about a month NLE Chopper's 19. I can't believe that. He's five projects deep already. Previous record, Top Shotter, went uh, number 10 on the Billboard 200 in August 2020. Me vs. Me comes after some minor controversy. NLE has some interesting views on things, let's put it that way. He actually believed that his plant-based diet cured someone's cancer. He disclosed this via Twitter that his diet, along with his mugwort which is a herb that he's been selling since January 2021, 
helped one of his fans to heal her cancer. Like on this podcast, we do not condone that. Like go and get a medical fucking doctor to tell you what to do if you have cancer. Don't just take mugwort. But, you know, that's that's the kind of the controversy that Emily Chopper has been embroiled in. Um, you'd be forgiven for thinking Me vs. Me would be a slightly more alternative ride than it is, but it really isn't. It's hard-edged, it's stacked with a ridiculous amount of sex bars, it's pretty standard, uh, NLE Chopper can really rap. He always could and he continues to excel in the art form of emceeing. He slips into cadences and flows that most trap artists I don't think are capable of delivering or even coming close to. When he sits next to Moneybag Yo, Polar G and G Herbo on this record, he sounds vibrant and fresh. His energy is just far superior to his guests on this project. I think it's too long. It's insanely long. Allegedly, it's an EP and it's like 53 minutes. I said that to Charlie. I think Charlie might have um, just t- stricken that from Twitched. his memory. I did just, Twitch. Yeah, but I Twitched. Like, I don't want to I don't wanna know. I don't want to go down that path. That's a lie. It's a lie. Um, you know, we didn't need songs. What's the, what's the thing? I think it's fifty-three minutes. <laughs> Brilliant. What was, e- the, what was the drug called? Mugwort. It's mugwort? not a drug. It's a it's mugwort. a herb. It's an herb. It's I herb. think it's I think it's an herb. You sure that ain't a Harry Potter like thing? That you it sounds like it. That's a muggle. Sounds like something from Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, man. Workshop that. I'll tell you this right now. Do you really think we needed a song called "Lick Me, Baby"? No, we don't need any oh, song oh, ever. We, we, we'll, we'll get to those, I know, trust I know. me. But we don't... We're going to get to those kind of tracks. Any, <laughs> if you are a rapper and you have a song entitled Lick Me Baby, that one can stay in the drafts folder. That one does not need to be on your album. I promise you that, like, or your EP. But, you know, it's a good album. It's a good album. It's a good, well, EP, sorry. It's a good EP. Uh, I think that Anoli Chopper's lashing his personality all over it, and if you fuck with him, you'll, you'll really like this. Uh, Blockboy JB back to the block. Tay Keith on production again here. They actually grew up around the corner from each other in Memphis. I didn't know that. Blockboy said, uh, we were young and really dumb. We used to smoke a lot of weed and chill. Tay Keith used to go to a different school though. That's why the separation from school, we couldn't wait to get back home, meet up and link, kick shit. Um, so yeah, they, they grew up together and the beats on here are really immense. I think the culmination is Day Day and Craig, which actually features Tay Keith himself. Uh, it's a fucking banger. It's a straight up fucking banger. That beat is insane. And this is the thing. I, th- I feel like this subgenre is becoming a bit of a caricature of itself. You know, those, those trap filter that 40 came up with in like the early 2010s and Kanye kind of introduced to the world on 808s. Everyone just keeps applying it till the sounds are basically unrecognizable or too diluted to have any meaning. And this actually feels like a bit of a reset or a respawn. Like, let's go back to the save point. Blockboy JB is a worthy recipient of these beats, but to be perfectly honest, Tay Keith could have sold these to Migos, Drake, Youngboy, like literally insert contemporary rapper name in, and you'll they'll float on this. They'll float. Like Tay Keith would be holding them aloft, you know, because it's the production that carries this. I do like Blockboy JB. I feel like he dipped after Look Alive, and maybe he should have dropped like two or three projects after that, uh, like back to back to back, but he usually waits a year to drop. Um... Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. You know, I didn't expect to, but uh, I do. I think it's good. It's a good banger album. And finally, PNB Rock, SoundCloud Days. 
look, man, I came in here to blast this record, but it isn't even that bad. I can't be mad at PNB Rock plunging this deep into the music that it helped not only blow him up, but turn SoundCloud into a household name. And it's this sped up chipmunky video game synth that everyone seems to want to lavish upon everything they do right now. If you listen to my playlist, there's always a section in the middle of this. Every fucking week without fail, different artists, underground artists, there's so many artists in this lane now and it's a lane that didn't exist five years ago it's crazy um but yeah man pnb rock performs admirably on top of them uh money women expensive purchases spacey vocals ultra reverb ultra auto tune if that's your bag then uh this was tailor made for you oh and finally i did listen to the uh the your old droog and the god fahim tape i i um i was wrong last or i wasn't wrong i just didn't know it was a god fahim on um that mac homie ep dollar menu i think it was last week that was actually a re-release apparently i talked to my uh my friend about it and he's like yeah that's a re-release so but yeah this tape with drew it was good it was really good uh good bars pretty sure i think it was 21 minutes or something like that it's just typical you know it's just, you're gonna get bars you're not gonna get like glitzy instrumentals but pretty gritty i enjoyed it so yeah that was me charlie what about yourself yeah, I go into a couple of projects um, for this week. Uh, start off with the Mellow Music Group's uh, Mandala. Um, I'm very surprised that just nobody actually talked about this album. <laughs> just, like, like there's there's just so much heat on here, as you can imagine, with a uh, a Mellow Music Group album. But um, yeah, I just um, just nobody in my circle is talking about it, and you know, it it has a lot of the artists that um, you know that some of my people like. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, we both love LaRange, right? Odyssey, Apollo Brown, uh, you know, Quell Chris is in here, Milo, uh, uh, George Amwell Drove, like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so, <laughs> there's so much good stuff on here. Um, you know, uh, I think the MVP is Odyssey on here, um, not because he has the most tracks, but yeah, just, I mean, it's partly because of that, but, you know, Le Boulevard uh, Mon, uh, Montmartre, uh, is an absolutely superb instrumental, and then he comes right back with Invisible Walls. Very nice. The Pain is Gone with Apollo Brown and Murs is kind of like slightly disappointing on Murs's side because the Apollo Brown beat is just so creamy. It's, it's it's peak Apollo Brown, like you know, standard procedure, like soul sample, fat uh, fat drums, you know the deal, right? And then Murs comes in with just like a like a kind of like one of those storytelling uh, things that he does and. Uh, about like a relationship um, that just didn't go well, and I don't know, just the the, the lyrical content didn't didn't hit me like a, as I think it should have. Um, yeah, there's some other good stuff here. Laurent and uh, Mylon, you are safe now. A real highlight. Uh, crazy high on Odyssey. Lost children with George Amwell Drove is really good. So yeah, man, there's some great stuff all over here. Actually, no design to this with Fredro Star um, is a nice highlight as well. Um, that's the first track on the album. I really enjoyed that one. So yeah, there's some good, good, great stuff all over the shop on this one. Uh, shout out to MMG, of course. Uh, Mongo's Hi-Fi, Good Lovin'. Uh, back back at it again with the uh, uh, Scottish-based um, uh, uh, dub reggae crew. Um, fat Beats all all day long. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of like a quick EP. Um, it's kind of like the same song in a way, but in just like different progressions. Um, so... You know, you have the. Let me just get this up right quick. Uh, you have like the first track, uh, which is just basically just the uh, what do you want to call it? Um, I mean, it's the title track with a uh, lady Anne, and um, it kind of uh, it's it's kind of like just the basis, the basis of 
the rest of the EP. You listen to that, and that's like the OG version. And then you have a New York Boogie with Rankin Levy, which kind of like switches up from it a little bit. It's like a different um, part of the track. And then Good Loving Dub is just a dub version of Good Loving. And then NHS Rhythms kind of just like a kind of just like an extension of the whole thing. <clears throat> so yeah, you know, if you if you like the first track, you'll like the rest of it, to be honest. Um, so it kind of uh, blend, it all blends together very nicely in a nice little package. So yeah, shout out to Mungo's Hi-Fi. And lastly, uh, this is a project from 21, but you know, I kind of get, uh, sometimes I get submitted stuff and um, it's it's rare, like it's, I actually enjoy it, you know what I mean? So um, shout out to Deshaun Visions, uh, this uh, album called Solstice, uh, spelt with S-O-U-L. Um, and yeah, there's some really good stuff in here, man. Really good stuff. I really enjoy it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's the whole, the whole essence of it is very, um, I guess, uh, mellow, um, slightly melancholic, right? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit down. Um, but it's not like, um, you know, depressing, right? Um, and, the you know, it's solid production all around. I really enjoy the production actually. Um, it's kind of just, it's, it's really got all the, all the hallmarks of what's what's going on right now you know what i mean with the uh music wise not um subject matter but like just in terms of what the music is you know what i mean you got trappy beats right you got him rapping and melodic right uh, uh, in 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 equal measure um so yeah you know if you, if you like the current sound whatever you consider that um i consider this kind of the current sound i guess um it's a solid project you know 12 tracks 34 minutes can't can't go wrong so nice uh nice nice album to listen to and with that said we shall be into our topic of this episode which is easy motherfucking e um yeah i kind of just um threw this out yesterday last week after the last episode and i was just like you want to do easy so i go on then <laughs> so um I'm, i literally just realized um today um as we record uh we haven't done an nwa episode <laughs> so we've, we've done dre we've done cube we've done easy um so yeah i, <laughs> I guess we're we, we're accidentally teeing up for, for an nwa episode someday but um you know we'll get to that when we get to that but at this point, moment in time we're getting to easy e um getting to his solo work and obviously his story personally um in the nwa universe and obviously his uh, place in the in said universe um and yeah man kind of you know i, f- I feel like uh, the term godfather gangster rap is like you know i kind of want to give that to schooly d i just want to say that you know outright because um i feel like schooly d was doing that kind of shit um way before nwo was a thing i think his first album was in 85 so you know as is a you know hip-hop student i kind of I kind of I can see why people gave him that because obviously NWA took that sh- whole thing to the whole essence to the mainstream. But um, you know, if we if we're doing if we're saying Godfather, then you know, it's kind of. <laughs> um, but anyway, regardless of that, regardless of that random um, just a statement I wanted to throw out there. Easy E is a legend in a lot of ways. Um, iconic voice on the mic, uh, iconic personality in hip hop history, uh, for better or worse. And uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be. It's obviously a fascinating story, all behind that, I am sure. So, with that said, Ben, what have you got for us this week? Well, firstly, I fucking got that word or word, and I don't know what is wrong with me because it was <laughs> it was light. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I, I said light. Did I you did not? I say. I swear, I said light. Oh, I gosh. swear, I said light. Because you said you said uh, you said you said two letters first. So I was like, okay, so it can't so it can't be light then. But I'd, that was my first throw out i was like well, you, light then. you were right well played 
so I'm an idiot. Thank you. Anyway, yeah, easy, easy. Look, man, influence easy had on hip hop and business is immeasurable. There are plenty of documentaries and think pieces and testimonies from people, but his impact, I actually feel, gets diluted by the fact he created a group that birthed two of the greatest hip hop icons of all time, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. Ice Cube credited Easy as the person to show that you didn't have to compromise yourself to succeed in business. The hip hop artist can make genuine money and have financial influence without acquiescing to norms and standards. And it would be supremely naive, supremely naive, to think that Dr. Dre wasn't influenced strongly by Easy E's moves in the business world. Few artists did more to push hip hop into the mainstream than Easy E. You know, he can be seen as the precursor to Dr. Dre, Jay Z, Master P. No Limit was founded in 1990, three years after Ruthless Records. Cash Money didn't start till 1991. Think about that. Now, the two things about this episode, this is not an NWA retrospective, and this is not a Ruthless Records retrospective. You know, both of those deserve their own time and space. I will absolutely use both in this episode because they're both key parts of Easy's story, but I don't want to get sidetracked. I want to talk about Easy e And he didn't grow up as a rapper or musician. He was born in Compton in 64, He dropped out of school in the 10th grade to transition into making money. His early life is not particularly relevant to this episode, and actually, it's not that well documented, surprisingly. Considering how many news anchors I've heard tell me Easy was a gangster or a drug dealer or a thug, I guess it's easier to just blurt out bland, generic statements than do actual research on where those statements are coming from, Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But all the information about Eazy-E I gleaned came from secondhand sources. Um, you know, the typical interviews like my brother knew a guy who Eazy-E was around or Eazy-E was well-known and respected around town. And as nasty as it is, there's almost always a few sneaky Vlad interviews tucked away somewhere, somewhere with someone proclaiming to be close to an artist who passed away, unloading their frustration on them. I don't... I don't get that about the whole thing, but the crazy thing is, not so with Easy E. There's, there's like all the interviewees, even Suge Knight, when he's spoken about Easy, they are very protective of him, his legacy and his persona. And I don't, I, there's not many people out there saying negative things about Easy E at all. I could, I couldn't find anything. I watched hundreds of videos to prep for this, this pod. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing. So, you know, all we need to know for this podcast is he knew how to make money and he had accumulated quite a lot of it by the age of 22. And the formation of NWA and Easy's relationship with each individual member prior to that is also not easily accessible information. And I think we should partly blame the news outlets and TV shows that sought to interview NWA and Easy E in the late 80s. And I think the reason there isn't a consistent narrative about the formation of NWA outside of Straight Outta Compton, which is not wholly accurate anyway, is shitty journalism. The fixation was always on Easy's extracurricular activities, which is exactly the image he wanted to present to camera. This is the funny thing. These gotcha attempts on national news were delightfully ironic, like the faux intelligent newscaster condescending to someone they deem below them, trying to corner them into an admission of that fact, who were in turn being used as pawns by Easy E and NWA to f- like further the exact agenda these newcasters were railing against. It was so fucking funny, man. When Eazy-E was beckoned to the White House to speak with President Bush in the early 90s, he said this, as soon as I get off the plane, you had CBS, CNN, all of these news people saying, Eazy-E gang member, Eazy-E drug dealer comes down here to the president's luncheon and they blew it up. And then he says, 
Basically what I did was pay $1,500 for a million dollars worth of press. And like that was his, that was his vibe. That was his energy. He was so calm throughout this whole thing. And Jerry Heller called him the consummate businessman because he understood power, control, marketing, and because he was Machiavellian. That is, he was cunning and unscrupulous. But of course, he was a rapper. Um, I got sidetracked a little bit making fun of dumbass, middle-class, mid-80 morons. But world-class wrecking crew is pivotal in this story. Uh, Dr. Dre, DJ Yeller, uh, Michelet, uh, Alonzo Williams, um... Yella said that there wasn't really... Sorry, Michelet. I don't know why I've put Michelet in there. But um, was Michelet in World Class Wrecking? No. World Class Wrecking Crew. I think so. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing there. I've just uh, just thrown her in there for some reason. Um, no. No. Oh, yeah, she was. She was. She was, oh, was, she was part of it. Uh, yeah, she was part... She was in it. Okay. I'm, I'm right. I, fuck, man. i got to trust myself. i got to trust my past self. <laughs> um, so... Uh, at the same time, Wrecking Crew started to explode. There was a swap meet in Torrance called Rhodium. Now, and this is, we're getting into the history here. There was a music store there run by Steve Yano. And this man was the absolute hookup. He's credited as moving every hot mixtape through Rhodium during the early to mid 80s. DJs knew him and everyone loved him. And Dr. Dre began selling his mixtapes through Steve's store alongside Tony A, Sir Jinx, High C. And Steve Yano said himself he would buy these tapes and they called them the traffic jams in which Dr. Dre and DJ Yeller would do daily mixes of R&B and rap for the Mixmasters crew. And that would end up on a radio show by Greg Mack on K-Day. Now, Steve Yano loved these mixes so much. He asked them if he took them records for them to mix, you know, R&B records or records that he liked, could they create bespoke mixes for him? And they agreed. So Steve Yano recalls that Easy e was a repeat customer. He described him as quiet and reserved, just like any other person that Yano de- dealt with, like he wasn't, you know, overly brash or anything. Now, Dr. Dre and Easy e did go to high school together, and Yano told the documentary that Easy would saunter up to the stands and wax lyrical about how the man on all these mixtapes was his friend from school. Now, a book entitled The Rise of NWA and the Dawn of Gangster Rap by Jarrett Kennedy tells a slightly different alteration to this. He said that Easy became obsessed with the bespoke mixes Yano was selling, and when he asked Yano who it was, he immediately recognized the name Dr. Dre as the kid he knew in high school who only lived two streets over. And apparently that day he grabbed everything with Dr. Dre's name on it, produced a wad of cash from his sock, and left with it. And a week later he returned and spent more money and began pressing Yano to give him Dr. Dre's number. Yano went to Dr. Dre and asked him if he knew Easy, to which Dr. Dre pl- replied, of course. And Yano's words here are, are interesting. He says, These guys get on the horn and two in the morning were on a three-way saying Eric wanted to open up a record store and Dr. Dre wanted to start a record label. You put two and two together and there you go. You got Ruthless Records. And Yano also told this, Kennedy this, um, Eric wants to open a record store. I tell him, don't do it. It's bad business. And Yano's idea was the record label and thus Ruthless was created. And this was essentially the end of the world-class wrecking crew, that very phone call. Now, Lonzo of World Class Wrecking Clue claimed that Eazy was haranguing Dr. Dre about helping him start to make major money in music. Lonzo seemed a little perturbed when talking about it. He said Dr. Dre saw LL Cool J making major money on TV, just wearing a t-shirt and jeans, whilst Dr. Dre is up there every night (laughs) ironing his sequined World Class Wrecking Crew outfit. And Yella said uh, he and Dr. Dre made no money out of that endeavor and they really wanted change. And I say change because... 
they wanted to switch up the image of world-class wrecking crew and alonzo disagreed he didn't want them to do it and so they had to leave and create nwa um and yeah in one documentary i saw ice cube and a few others say that dr dre wanted to create a record label and he knew easy had money and approached him for it. Another documentary said that Easy e reached out to Dr. Dre to pull him into the ruthless camp, that Easy was ready to transition from his prior circumstances into music and he needed a writing camp to help realize this vision. Um, and he had money, you know, Dre had talent and musical connections. If you take anything away from the early part of this story, remember that Easy e was not a musician, he didn't rap, he had no intention of being part of the musical side. He was the businessman, the provider, the visionary, the financier. His intent was to use the money he made and press forward with legitimacy. And I find his arc even more staggering when you consider that because our retrospectives focus heavily on lifelong artists, you know, people inspired by Rapper's Delight or The Message, people who were literally at the first block parties and went home and studied the art of emceeing. That's not easy, man. And after Dr. Dre and Easy connected on that three-way with Yano, which is a sentence I probably didn't expect to say on wax in my life and probably hasn't ever been said before, Dr. Dre and Easy connected in a three-way, they went to work. And I'll read an excerpt from Kennedy's Jarrett Kennedy's book. He said, they began recording tapes in a piecemeal studio in Easy's basement. From there, a mobile DJ crew was launched. They called it High Powered Productions and played house parties. Eric and Dre couldn't have been more different. Eric was gruff with his mind laser focused on hustling and Dre, though he grew up seeing harsh realities of street life, was the furthest thing from it. Yet both of them wanted the same outcome, something better for themselves. And I'll pause there quickly and give Charlie a chance to have a chat about that. But um, what I find fascinating about all this is like, we're going to talk about the music and we're going to talk about NWA a little bit and how influential Easy's music was. But man, up until this point, he was not a musician at all. And that's crazy to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, it is all crazy to think about. Um, and in hindsight, thinking about it, it was kind of just like, common sense in a way that having going for something like the world cross wrecking crew which i feel like was probably like five years too late at that point um and kind of just uh and i'm I'm not saying easy saw like you know oh guys guys this this hip-hop disco thing's not gonna work like it's not it wasn't i don't know whether i should give him credit on that kind of front for having for you know having some sort of foresight or just saw dre as like you know you're you know you're good on you're good on decks like i need someone who's good with music um so without trying to guess which is which uh what the whether he had foresight or not is just thinking about it in hindsight so the whole thing just makes sense in uh to create something like nwa at that point in time when you know, there's a lot of, um, so what, late 80s. So, obviously, it's before Rodney King in terms of um, LA, but like, yeah, US tension, black US tensions weren't that, uh, uh, black U- being black in America has never been great, but like, you know, late 80s, I feel like, you know, like you mentioned the message, of course, and that's just one, and that was obviously the one, um, for the first time in terms of having someone commentate on what's actually going on uh 
in hip hop anyway, and being so specific with it. But even with that said, I feel like the essence of what Easy comes with is that authenticity. All the time, it's always just that. That's, that's always the thing I come out of it with when whenever I you know read something about him or listen to his music as I've done this past week that's kind of just the overall point I come across with where uh you know having somebody like him that's not just a shrewd businessman but just also like a really freaking good persona um because you know hip-hop is um persona led a lot of the time and talking to talking to any artist you know that has like a moniker and then actually talking to them you know off wax over some food i'm sure it's probably a lot different and i'm sure it's the exact same for easy when it's not just talking about uh whatever he talks about subject matter wise on the record but you know i don't know I feel like it would be much different talking to him on uh, just just eating food or whatever. Um, as much as you know, I I I rarely I rarely give credence to the uh, you know artists living the um, living the lifestyle all the time. You know, because mm-hmm. I've I've grown up in I've grown up in social media, fam. Like you, you guys can't be flexing constantly like this. Like it's just, you can't, you just can't. You need to chill. Like you gotta be doing something, uh, half at least half the day. Um, that's relatively normal, surely. <clears throat> and for some, it might not be. But yeah, you just when when I grow up at that at that at the age I'm at right now, I'm just like I can't fathom it all the time. They're doing this all the time, but I'm sure maybe in you know previous decades it might have been um but anyway i'm kind of rambling to be honest um <laughs> but yeah you make a it's it's a, it's an interesting foundation of course in terms of just like how he actually never even thought about actually you know having the solo career that we're going to get into um and well at first anyway and uh you know just focused wanted solely just to be a businessman and uh, thought records was the uh, the best way to go legit, quote-unquote. Yeah, well, they always delineate uh, Easy from Eric Wright, and people say that Eric Wright is... I'll get to it right at the end, but, like, just what you said, you know, he's a very normal, humble guy who just likes to have fun and joke around and hang out with his friends, and Easy es the persona, you know, the the image that the white newscasters grabbed hold of and said, look at this gangster drug dealer, like, look at this violent criminal, you know, that's the... There's a classic interview with... Easy with his giant gun and just talking about infrared scopes and you know that's that's the image the NWA were you know and and that's the thing man like Ice Cube told Easy told the documentary I watched this documentary um uh, I'll find the name it's it's written down here somewhere I'll talk about it in a second but he said that uh, Easy was just the mastermind behind the entire image of NWA he had the vision he brought in the people to execute it. Uh, but yeah, NWA would not have truly existed without Easy es actual voice on wax. And that's wild to me. Like that was not the plan, you know, that was not the plan, but, uh, it began with Boys in the Hood. And that's a very interesting song because Easy e enlisted Yella and Dr. Dre to produce the song and Ice Cube to write the lyrics. 
by Easy E was obviously never meant to be on it. It was actually meant for a New York duo called HBO. And on People's Party, Ice Cube corrected Talib when he said that Ice Cube wrote the lyrics for Easy E. Ice Cube said that he wrote it for HBO and they were out of Queens. And he said the lyrics were foreign to them. And they was like, you're talking another language, man. And I was. It was the shit we took out here. So they rejected it. And then Dre convinced Easy to do it. So apparently, uh, Easy and Dr. Dre are in the studio. And it's a studio that Easy is paying for. And Dr. Dre says, why don't you do the song? And Easy refused because he's not a rapper. Ice Cube said it took Dr. Dre three days to convince Easy E to do it and another three days for Easy to actually lay something workable because he just did not know how to rap. JJ Fad said they took a million takes because of his lack of emceeing ability. But when it dropped, they were selling it out of the trunk of their cars and naturally they brought it back to Steve Yano to sell at the swap meet. And he played it all weekend at the swap meet and he said it blew the fuck up. People absolutely loved it. He said people would just start breakdancing in front of his store whilst it played. And it was something that he'd actually never witnessed before. He'd never seen people go this crazy. And Ice Cube said that was what set them off. Such a throwaway section of that documentary was like 30 seconds. But he said Yano would call them up and say that he'd run out of Boys in the Hood and ask them to record more new music for him to sell. And their buzz began to grow from this same swap meet that brought Dr. Dre and Easy e together. And Jerry Heller's the final piece to this puzzle. Uh, he was eviscerated in the Straight Outta Compton movie. So bad, in fact, that he filed a lawsuit against member, members of NWA due to his depiction. He forms a crucial part of the story. Jerry Heller knew Lonzo, uh, and Easy e knew of Jerry Heller. And this is another, this is where the, the movie's wrong again. There's a few parts where the movie's wrong. I, I didn't base any of this off the movie. Um... Yeah, Easy knew of Jerry Heller through various dealings and rumblings, and Easy was bugging Lonzo for an introduction with Heller because he felt Ruthless Records, which at that stage was merely a name on a piece of paper. It had a lot of future value, but at that stage it held no it held no current value. And Easy felt Ruthless wouldn't get off the ground without Heller's help. And Jerry Heller agreed to meet with Easy after Lonzo charged Easy $750 for the meet. Right, and again, like I understand that Lonzo is not particularly impressed with uh, Easy E because of what happened with um, World Class Wrecking Crew. It kind of makes sense, you know. He's probably not, uh, probably not Lonzo Williams' favorite person in the world. Uh, but Easy plays Boys in the Hood, and Jerry Heller falls over himself to praise it, and they made a deal on the spot. And again, part of the movie that was not correct. Um, yeah, man, like this this episode is not going to be a dissection of the movie. That's a Hollywood movie. Uh, it's not going to be accurate. Look, man, I, I don't want to get on my high horse about it or get on a, a bit of a rant about it. But like if you're basing, yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm going to base this on like actual facts rather than a Hollywood script. But I discovered easy... recently that biopics are not based on facts. No, I knew that all, the whole time. Oh the gosh. only thing I knew was, I didn't know, was the one you told me about, which is actually historically accurate. I forget which one you said it was, but I just uh, assumed. Selma. Yeah, I just assumed they were all inaccurate. But anyway, Easy and Jerry Heller linked with uh, DJ Jeff Lyles in Dallas. He's a funny guy, man. You should watch interviews with him. And they gave him Boys in the Hood, right? So he said, this is Dallas. He didn't have time to clean the lyrics up. He didn't listen to the song prior. He just put it on. He's like, all right, put it on. 30 seconds in, all eight of his phone lines were jammed, and he was promptly fired for playing the song, so he lost his job over it. It was the first time the song had ever gotten radio spins outside of LA, and it was blowing up, man. Jerry Heller was negotiating throughout this period, 
Uh, he tried to negotiate a deal with Island Records, who, from the documentary, it, the documentary I'm talking about is called NWA Most Dangerous, and they passed on the distribution deal over $50, <laughs> and they got a couple of people from Ireland to talk about it, and they're just like, yeah, we, we fucked up. Like, that shit hurts, man. And Jerry Heller went to Priority and Relativity and negotiated a bunch of complicated distribution deals. And they sorted it out, man. And, you know, what they did with Boys in the Hood was fucking epic. This was a song that launched NWA. It showcased every single aspect of their brilliance. The vision, the content, the notoriety, the stories, the production, the music, the business acumen. From a wasted studio session after a failed attempt to cross over to the New York market, they created a West Coast anthem. And Ice Cube calls Easy e the gangster rap godfather. And he apologizes to Ice-T in the interview. But he says Easy e had every single angle covered. And yeah, we got straight out of Compton August 8, 1988. And then just three months later, we got Easy's solo album, Easy Does It. That's really good. Um, seamless uh, transition there. Uh, but I do want to just go back briefly and say I feel homie uh, for playing the track uh, without cleaning it up. Because the uh, first time I had uh, my student radio show, um, I got music for myself, uploaded it. Uh, but the <laughs> first track I put on. <laughs> <laughs> An explicit shit on it's just like, oh no. <laughs> what was it? Do you remember? L's, taking L's immediately. Um, yeah, so. Do you remember what it was? Um, yeah, it was uh, You Don't Know. Oh, okay. Nice. Because I wanted, I wanted the instrumental for it because I really like the instrumental. Um, so I wanted that to be intro to my show and I was just like, oh shit, this is not the one. <laughs> it's like the instrumental. <laughs> I've been lied to. <laughs> Did you? Was it the remix or was it the original? Um, well, the remix is the one I stuck with, but it <sighs> may have been the original that first time. I mean, um, if you accidentally played that that MOP verse at the start, like a face the crowd may- and piss off stage. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think it was the original first. Um, actually, you know what? I think it was something different. It was. It was. I know it was a Jay Z track, but yeah, I think it was a, a different track. Um, but. Anyway, just wanted to shout that out for first ever um, radio show I did. It might have been immediate holy. Swearing, immediate, immediate swearing, immediate L. You play um, holy grail and everyone was just like, bro, that's trash. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, luckily, no one was listening to, for, to my knowledge. Um, anyway, easy does it, right? Yeah. I really enjoy this album. Um, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I enjoy it. Um, I do understand that there's just a couple of there's probably a couple of tracks, right? And plenty more lyrics throughout where it's just like, okay, 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 all right, all right, sure. And yeah, so that, that was a thing. Um, yeah, because past the, you know, popular tracks, and there are a lot of popular tracks. Like, there's, a, there's a good stretch like, for the middle of this album that's just got classic after classic to me personally. I'm just like, fuck, there's just so much good shit on here. <laughs> There's so much good shit on there, but you know he's he. Uh, it, it's so weird. It's like um, I don't know. I feel like this is just an encapsulation of just like um, Easy E's a rapper where like I can guess shit up like easier said than done, and we want easy. I love those tracks to death. But then there's stuff like Still Talking, which is the first track. And he's like. I got a fable that you need to listen to. It's a funky little rhyme about a bitch or two. One's Sharon, the other one's Sean. I wanted to nut, uh, I think it's Sean, but it's spelled Sean for some reason. I wanted to nut, but which one do I want? 
Sean said, easy, let me fuck you blind. Sharon said, E, I want to blow your mind. I said, fuck it, I know it should be done. Just pull your panties down, I'll fuck the biggest one. <laughs> so, so you know, and I think there's a, I think there's a track, uh, I think there's a lyric in one of the tracks, I forget which one, where basically just outright says, uh, women are bitches, and I'm just like, okay, fair enough. Um, but, you know, this has Boys in Hood, as you mentioned. Um, I like this mind, this is just, I don't know why, but it's just this little two-second bit in that track where, like, the who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff comes in the back, comes in just right behind, uh, right in the back. I, I, I love that specific bit. I don't know why it's really weird, but I love that bit. Um, you know, Easy Does it. It's a classic track to me. We want Easy, Easier Said and Done. Like I said, um, GTA San Andreas, absolute classic tune. But then, but you know, then there's stuff like Radio, which is literally a track about trying to get on the radio. Like, it's, it's literally him trying to get on the radio. There's no swearing. Like, he's, he's so overtly... Ra- it's, it's, I don't know why I find this interesting where, like... Bro, if someone tried to make a track, right, and that these, these days, and they literally just said outright, this is po- I'm trying to do this track for the radio... I'm trying to get this track on the radio. It would sound desperate. You know what I mean? Like, wait, say that if again. If you want to ra- say it again, just so, so compare. I'll, I'll say it again, but I'll say compared to something like, uh, where you know, you know, you list those tracks, right? That it's just obviously it's supposed to be a single. Like, change you're, clothes. You're trying yeah. to make it a signal. Yeah, you're trying to make it a single. You're trying to make you get that radio edit out, put that on the radio. Like you're trying, you're trying that. We see you, we see it. But then there's something like this radio, where he's literally just saying it. I'm trying to get on the radio. <laughs> like with me, uh, without Easy E, you wouldn't be living with me on a top ten or a mix shows. Hit your power button, and let's go. It's just like guys, just put me on the radio. Just, just put me on the radio. And the intro is like this is. Radio station K E Z. It's like, you know, it's give me that easy E. It's like a song called Radio. Like, I don't know why I can, I, I see that. And I was like, if someone else, if that was done somewhere else, I consider that kind of desperation where it's just like, okay, right, you want to be on the radio. We get it. But I don't know. I mean, that, I, I think, think desperation is probably the wrong word. But. I think it's common. I actually think it's a really, it was a really common thing to have the street single and the radio single. And I mean, look at AZ. He had uh, the fuck. I forget the name of the song, but even he said it himself. Sugar Hill. Sugar Hill. He even said it himself. He in didn't an like. Didn't even like it. Yeah. Didn't like it. I mean, Jay Z had one on pretty much every album. I mean, he had "Ain't No" on "Reasonable Doubt." Like, I feel like it's pretty. It's a. It's a common okay. trope. Yeah. Sure. Well, at least, at least it seemed. I mean, it seemed like he enjoyed making this track. At least, you know what I mean. The so beat is fire. So. Might be one of the best beats. On oh, the album. bro, I, can't, I I'm, I've tried so hard not to gas up the production on this album. Like the, gee, God, just it, it, this, this makes me. This kind of just like, um, this will be the only thing I'll say about like just the entire NWA kind of like a uh, universe. But man. They let money get in the way of a good time. They really did. Like just listen to this, it's just like absolutely like the production and how fun it sounds, even though like there's stuff like 
you know, ruthless villain where it's just like MC Ren just fucking going hard. Like, he's, he's going off. Like, basically just going off. And then there's something like uh, <clears throat> Nobody Move with the absolute glorious, glorious uh, sample of Yellow Man. Uh, Yellow Man's uh, Nobody Move, Nobody Get Hurt. Oh, I love that track so much. To death, absolute banger, uh, banging sample. And, you know, that one's literally just a quick story about MC Ren and Easy E robbing a bank. Like, it's just, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of times where, like, this is, you know, obviously just, like, you know, serious, not serious, but, like, you know, it's just, like, hard music, like, you know, two hard mothers, like, Easy E motherfucker, you know what I mean? Just, like, you know, just constantly, we're two hard motherfuckers, you know, stuff like that. Um, but, oh, it is. It's fun, man. It's fun to listen to in some in a lot of ways. I can't get over it. Um, and there's a couple more, like no more questions, which I kind of found fascinating. I, I don't think I've I listened to that fully until now. Um, so you know, there's that, and that's kind of interesting. But yeah, man, there's just a lot of good stuff on here, all over the shop, man. Like just MC Ren on one, like just doing ruthless villain, just completely by himself. I don't know how they just gave him license all the time to just like. Hey, here's a track where you can just go off. Like, just do it. <laughs> like this, quiet on the set. He just has, jeez, they just keep, they just keep giving him. They just keep giving him tracks, and he just keeps knocking them down. It's glorious. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a great, it's great album. It's a great album, man. And, and I think few MCs since, and certainly hardly many before, had the wit and personality that Easy slathers yes, all so over it's this confident. record, man. This album is the definition of skating from an MC who is just two years into his MCing career. And this and this is the, this is okay, what I found so fascinating. The seriousness and tension is straight out of Compton disintegrates on Easy Does It. And I think that's part of Easy's genius as well. Rather than this being a companion piece for an album that, let's be honest, blew everyone's fucking mind just three months prior, he took an epic risk. And uh, on Easier Said Than Done, he raps, I'm not a role model or a Dr. Seuss. I'm a gangster and I'm about to get stupid. And on the title track, he says, because I'm a gangster having fun before rapping, I never leave the pad without packing a gun. And the humor on this record is the most cited quality. Uh, I really do think it's an incredible part of the the album, an incredible part of his story. And yeah, man, you know, obviously as NWA progressed, of course, we'd all come to appreciate the, the slow burn of Ice Cube's frustration and anger, Dre's laid back bravado. MC Ren's lyrical ability and uh, DOC's lyrical left turns, but Easy E came out of the box a fully realized rap persona, and that's crazy. And you have to remember that Ren, DOC, and Ice Cube wrote the lyrics for Easy on this record. Cube even said that Dr. Dre penned some bars and verses on here, with Dre and Yella obviously doing the production. Marcus Reeves wrote a book entitled Somebody Scream in 2009, and he described the different personas really well of the writers. He said, MC Ren provided elaborate storytelling and acrobatic verbiage. DOC provided syllabically punchy uh, boats. Boats? That can't be right. Bars, I would imagine. I don't know why I've, I've copied that across as boats. Uh, Ice Cube provided, this is just me reading, by the way, off page. Ice Cube provided masterfully insightful first-person narratives. Um, and he actually, this uh, Marcus Reeves attributed the humor on the album to Ice Cube. And it blew up. It blew up despite not getting barely any. And, and maybe this is why, you know, radios were not playing NWA back then. And I think that's probably a lot of uh, explanation as to why radio exists, the song and why Eazy-E put it on the album and why he spoke about it that way. 
it's tongue in cheek, I think, because radio stations were not fucking, MTV was not fucking with NWA. No one wanted to play. Everyone was scared of them, you know? Everyone wanted to do think pieces on how dangerous they were and how bad of an influence they were. They weren't getting radio spins and they weren't getting on TV. Um, and it went 41 on the Billboard 200, but that was six months after release. Ended up charting for over 90 weeks and it was certified gold in February 89 just a few months after it dropped. Double platinum, September uh, 1992. Good reviews. I think the album gets more interesting as time progresses, and we see how alluring and enticing it is for acts to settle into a sound and just mine it until it's entirely depleted. And Straight Outta Compton was the most successful thing that any of them had been a part of so far. So for Easy e to go in a different direction, and actually a potentially harmful direction given the intensity of that debut record, I think it showed courage and a commitment as well as a true understanding of the music business. You know, listeners didn't want a, a spin-off that sounded like a carbon copy of the original. They wanted a spin-off that set itself apart and stood on its own feet. And I think it's a great I think it's a great debut, man. I, I really I really do. Um Yeah, we can talk about post post that record. Uh things began to fracture within NWA. Ice Cube left the group uh after a disagreement with Jerry Heller's contract. Dr. Dre left to pursue more lucrative endeavors. Some say Suge Knight was whispering in Dre's ear the same way Easy did to convince him to leave World Class Wrecking Crew. And obviously the Suge situation culminated in the Dre Day's diss where Dre raps gap in your gap teeth in your mouth so my dick's gotta fit. My dick's gotta fit. So to Easy his credit, right? A friend retells the story for the first time. They actually heard the song together in the car. And Easy he laughed. He laughed at it. He thought it was funny. And uh, regardless of uh, where Dr. Dre wanted to go, Easy still had him under contract. And apparently, he was making a uh, high estimate, say a third of everything Dr. Dre was making. More conservative mm. estimates say that Easy made 25% of everything the Chronic made because Dre was still under contract with Ruthless. And naturally, mm. this prompted the Suge Knight strong arm. Now, there are so many different stories on this. Straight out of Compton, Suge beats Easy down for not letting Dre out of his con- contract. Some actually say it was Jerry Heller who was threatened into the signature. Some say Easy refused until Suge showed him a piece of paper with Easy's mum's address on it, and Easy signed the papers. Uh, some say that Easy signed it illegibly so that he wouldn't have to honor it some say he signed it perfectly and then that's obviously why they engaged in a legal battle because he said he'd signed under coercion some people even say that jerry heller was locked up in the trunk of suge's car and they used to show easy suge meant business and suge himself claims he never did anything untoward to easy so who the fuck knows man there's about 50 fucking stories out there that's the theme of this episode there's a million stories for every one story it's crazy and what it amounts to is Dr. Dre left. Lorenzo said that Dr. Dre wanted an equal share of Ruthless and Easy refused. Um, some people close to Easy claim that Dr. Dre felt Easy had wronged him on the business side and actually gave Easy a decision. Stick with Jerry Heller or I leave. Or come with me and leave Jerry Heller. And Easy chose Jerry Heller because that was his business partner. And a lot of people attest to Easy E and Dr. Dre being very, very close, way more than business partners and musical collaborators. Easy's bodyguards told Vlad that they were basically inseparable. You very rarely saw one without the other. And it's not clear how deeply the split affected him personally, but we can probably estimate that it really hurt. Jerry Heller said in later years that Easy E was so livid with Suge Knight over the situation, he was hell bent on killing him. Jerry Heller said this to Music Times in 2013, and I'm quoting 
indirectly. I'm not putting something out there randomly. One day I came into the office uh, and one of my clients and Easy were talking and I said, what's going on here? And Easy said, you know this guy, Suge Knight? And I said, yeah. He says, well, I'm gonna kill him. This guy's gonna be a problem and I'm gonna kill him. And Heller talked him down from that ledge, but in in that same 2013 interview, Jerry Heller said, and you know something? I should have let him kill him. I would, it would have done the world a favor. He would have done it for sure by himself. He was convinced Easy was actually planning on killing Suge, but he said he was able to logically talk him out of it. So, you know, Suge actually went on Jimmy Kimmel after the death of Easy e and said this, and this is one of the most quoted things in the history of hip hop ever. If you shoot somebody, you go to jail forever. So they got this new thing out. They get blood from somebody with AIDS and they shoot you with it. So that's a slow death. An easy e thing, you know what I'm saying? Now, obviously, there's a trillion rumors around Easy's death. We'll get to that mm-hmm. in a sec. But Ruthless was, you know, Ruthless was a shell of what it should have been without Dre and Ice Cube. What it should have been. That doesn't mean it was a shell, okay? That doesn't mean it was, you know, it didn't exist. Like, that doesn't mean that it was dying. But with Dr. Dre and Ice Cube, just imagine if those first three or four Ice Cube albums were on Ruthless. Imagine if Doggy Style and Chronic were on Ruthless. And they should have been. They should have been, and that's the thing that I don't get. I, no one says Easy e did anything wrong in this whole thing. No one says that. I never not heard any interview where someone said this was Easy's fault that they left. Easy pushed them out the door. Easy was got too big for his boots. Easy was too. Ar- I've never heard any of that. A lot of people blame Jerry Heller. A lot of people just say it was a natural progression. You know, Dr. Dre is obviously a, a businessman himself and he wanted to go find a situation where he could be a businessman. I don't know how Death Row comes into that because Suge was at the top of that. But anyway, um, you know, Easy himself was keeping the label very healthy with, with his EPs. Um, it's on, which I'll get to I'll talk about in a sec. Number five that went on the Billboard 200. Crazy. And um, yeah, you can talk about that now because fuck, man. Great, mm. great fucking EP, and I've got some stats on it. I did some bespoke stats, so we can get to that. But like, nice. yeah, cool EP. Digging digits back in a big I way, um, old school. <laughs> Bring it back. Um, yeah, man, this is this is just full of just like yeah, just straight heat. And obviously, the 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 most noble one is real motherfucking G's, which we did talk about on episode twenty eight, along with uh, some other diss tracks. So if you want to go peep that, go peep that. Um, but yeah, uh, just probably regurgitating what I said on that particular episode that uh, I love this uh, this track I think it's top five um also considering that um you know even better than something like him up because the features are actually worth listening to and the outlaws are not stop saying that if you don't listen nobody uh, listens to him up um past the first verse and we all know that so anyway what? um but what you don't listen to you the don't. You don't listen you don't. to you the, listen to the two pack. You listen to the two pack verse. You don't listen to Lil Season. Get out the way, y'all. Get out the way, y'all. Biggie Smalls just got dropped. You don't listen to that. Is that how the the lyrics? I don't even know who sings that part, but yeah. Anyway, um, uh, uh, yeah. Past past that, there's just like the whole thing is just like one big middle finger to the whole thing. So it's it's very like reality TV in a lot of ways. Um, I feel, uh, you know, there's something like, uh, give me that nut. Um, actually not give me that nut, but I want, I still want to talk about that, but I'm, I'm talking about, uh, it's on, I think, I think if I want to click on right quick, uh, yes. So you go, it literally, it literally just starts with like a bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yay, sucking these nuts, <laughs> suck on these nuts. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just, um, 
Yeah, um, you know, down with the motherfucking wrecking crew, bitch. But once a bitch is always a bitch, and now the fucking switch. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of like name calling, uh, you know, just um, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but like, I don't, I don't, I cannot imagine like just um, I don't know, just uh, this hitting the charts that hard. It's just like that's that's crazy to think about. An EP, no less, right? It's still, it's only like. You know, six tracks technically with a couple of remixes. Um, well, with a re- with a Boys and Hood G mix and uh, one more track, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't. Ah, the G mix is a bit. Yeah, I don't really claim. It's, it's seven tracks, man. The yeah. G mix is just yes, it's the same yes. song. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just so there's so many just references to that and um to to Dre obviously and yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of uh. Not even subliminals, but just atting people. You know what I mean? It's like just I'm atting you right now. Dick in my um, balls down your throat, doggy. Listen, like that's not a subliminal. <laughs> that's super liminal. Who's who's that? <laughs> super liminal? <laughs> super liminal. Um, niggas ain't shit in the nineties. I don't trust them. Bitches on my dick, but they ain't on my shit. Some motherfucker. It's kind of like the whole thing is just like kind of. Not paranoid, but just like fuck the world. Really, it's just like I don't care about nobody yeah, else. Gone bananas. Uh, Drake can suck it. Snoop can suck it. Death Row can uh, can die. Uh, another platinum cut from the Compton Thugster. My name is Easy E. Like it's literally just planting a flag. The whole thing is just one big plant flag. I'm here. I'm still. I'm still doing it. Like you know, what I mean, I'll, I'll come for your neck. I don't care. I'll come for your neck on wax. And it's like you know, he does it more. He does. He does it a couple times more in the next. In the next, uh, obviously, the last album of, of uh, Under Easy's name. But um, yeah, you know, I love. I love his song. Um, as a just a as as an essence, real motherfucking G's is a top five diss track for me. And um, yeah, man, it's just a lot of a lot of plant uh, flag planting, which um, I respect. Yeah, so I mean, it, look, it's rarely a good idea to drop an album in response to just getting lit up by someone you consider to be the opposition. Look at, for example, Eminem with Kamikaze, Dre, uh, sorry, Drake with the first disc of Scorpion, even though I really liked that. Um, it turned it into a bloated two-disca. You know, there, there were times when you, you don't really want to do that. But this re- this was a response to The Chronic. This really was a response Short to The Chronic. Short and sweet. Yeah. Short and sweet. Chuck this out there. Uh, I think Easy sounds the best he's ever sounded in his career. I think he sounds vibrant mm-hmm. and explosive. Real motherfucking G is one of the greatest hip hop songs of all time. The first hip hop EP to go top five on the Billboard 200 in the history of music. Now that's I fucking was thinking epic. that I was just like I epic. bet that's the first EP because I was, can't man. think of another one. It was 100. I I did that. Uh, that took me a couple of days a few years ago. I did that analysis, but yeah, man, fucking crazy. Um, look, man, the 90s is where you would have expected Easy's Flame to maybe slowly fizzle out. He still had DJ Yell and MC Ren, but he lost Drain Cube. Michelle was on the label for one release. Uh, you had Cocaine and Above the Law, who dropped multiple records on the on the on the roster. It was a real, it was a rolling roster, man. It was a real rolling roster. Easy signed mm-hmm. Jimmy Z, Penthouse Players, Click, uh, At Band Clan, HWA, uh, Menage what? a Trois. Yeah, H- HWA, you know HWA? No, it's just, it just sounds too close. I'm just like, I can't be. No, just... Oh, like NWA? Yeah, it's close, right? Yeah, it just sounds pretty close. Bl- there was uh, Blood of Abraham, Rhythm D, DG Unique, Brownside, Kid Frost. It was really only Bone Thugs who hit Kid out of Frost. all these artists, man. And they were signed in 93 after they secured an audience with Easy E via the phone. Now, Easy promised to call them back, but he didn't. 
So the group actually set about finding him in real life. They took a three-day bus trip to LA and they tried to track his movements for four months. And eventually they cornered him in Ohio and performed for him in his dressing room. And Easy signed them off the strength of that. And obviously their 95 album, E Eternal, went number one, partly off the strength of The Crossroads, which went number one on the Hot 100 and is dedicated to Easy e Absolutely legendary, legendary group. And... Uh, Look, they weren't struggling, man. Ruthless Records was not struggling. Yeah, it wasn't the the record label it could have been, but MC Ren went number 12 in 92, then 22 in 93. Easy's focus was always on the label and cultivating the talent around him. And this is what I want to say. Despite the success of the Chronic and Doggy style, Dr. Dre was not the monolithic bastion of success that we see him as today. He was a very successful musician, but Easy had his own label. He was a sought-after live act, a successful lead artist in his own right. And I would argue, and I wasn't around back then, so I, I can't speak with authority, but I would passionately argue that Easy was in a much stronger position than Dr. Dre, even post the Chronic. Dre was building, no mm-hmm. doubt. But he was under the thumb of Suge Knight, which is a significantly worse thumb to be under than that of Easy E. I think this is why Easy threw shots at Dre so violently, uh, at the risk of retreading ground I just covered with the with the EP. Um, you know, seven tracks, five of them had Dr. Dre disses on them. One of them was just yeah. a remix, obviously. That's the eighth track. But of the 405 bars that Easy E raps on that project, 65% of them are dedicated to Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, including the entirety of Real Motherfucking G's It's On and Down to the Last Roach, which Easy E shits on the entirety of the chronic by grabbing some of Dr. Dre's vocals in which he says he doesn't even smoke weed and then just proceeds to make a song about smoking weed. So, yeah. look, Easy was planning a double LP to follow up his debut album, but it never eventuated. And instead, we got that EP, which is obviously stacked with Dre disses to capitalize off the success of The Chronic. And I don't think this didn't seem to me like the jealous ex taking pot shots after being spurned. You know, Easy E was in the position of power, he was still the head of his own label. And Dr. Dre had taken that risk, and it paid off in the end for sure but not really until 1999, not really until then, because Aftermath was 96, Chronic 2001, Slim Shady LP 1999, that's, he's out of there at that point. And um, yeah, man, I, I think like, obviously things started a fracture between Easy and Jerry Heller. Uh, people said that Jerry Heller might've been stealing from Easy e but Easy apparently investigated this and concluded he wasn't. But even so, Cocaine and Above the Law spoke in interviews about the fractured relationship they were witnessing and apparently, allegedly, Easy fired Jerry Heller right before he passed away um, in '95, and yeah, we can talk about that if you if you had anything to add about that section. No, nothing much really on that front. Um, yeah, I feel like I covered that pretty well. Yeah, I mean, well, the death. So you could spend a decade diving down YouTube rabbit holes about conspiracies around Easy's death. Everyone has somehow become a medical expert in the years since he passed going through medical records, doing math, dissecting all his movements, his body language, his body shape. Bro, I can't, I'm not exaggerating here. Literally everything you would imagine, people are just saying shit. People are like saying, no, 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 with authority though, with authority. Like, no, 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 he couldn't have had HIV because, or he couldn't have had. There's an entire docuseries as well, which follows Easy's daughter, as she dives into old interviews and tracking down personal contacts and asking them pretty intense questions. Uh, Easy's son, actually, I mean, look, I'm not going to go into it too far, but like Jerry Heller actually referenced Easy's death as a killing in an interview, saying he felt Easy's death was, death was suspect. 
And he claimed because no one in Easy's circle, none of his known sexual partners and none of his children were HIV positive, this must mean that Easy couldn't have had HIV. But that doesn't work either because like, it's very, 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 very rare for a father to pass HIV onto their unborn child. That doesn't happen. It's happened once apparently in the history of what I've read. Um, and there's so many things about it, man. It depends on viral load, on timings. There's Look, I'm not going to go into that shit. I'm not going to go into the math and all that bullshit. But just say there's a lot of people. I'm not going to fall on either side of the fence. I don't have enough information. I can fully understand and respect Easy es family desire to get to the core of the issue. And if they're not satisfied with the explanations given thus far, they have every right in the world to seek further evidence. I fully support that. But Easy es official cause of death was AIDS-induced pneumonia. He was originally admitted to hospital on February 24, 95 with a violent cough, a cough that some accounts say had been in with him for a few months. Others say they'd never witnessed it. Some people around Easy said it was so bad that he would have to lie flat on the floor in a specific position because it was the only way he could get relief. Most accounts say his decline in health was rapid and unexpected. He was there one minute and fighting for his life the next. And the doctor who gave a statement after Easy's passing said his condition was so poor because the disease was very advanced, uh, despite Easy not showing symptoms, which the doctor said is really normal. So Easy obviously owned his his diagnosis immediately in true to form, used it as an opportunity to help and uplift. He said it, he said in his statement. I would like to turn my own problem into something good that will reach out all my homeboys and their kin because I want to save their asses before it's too late. And Easy's son actually became an ambassador uh, for AIDS and for HIV awareness. Um, look, man, he passed early. He passed young. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what would have happened after this. I don't know what would have happened if he, he hadn't have, have passed away so early. Uh I think that, you know, he's an incredible human, an incredible human, and he pushed NWA to the pinnacle of mainstream media. Uh, Easy e is the person who swaggered up to George Bush Sr. and laughed when news anchors called him a drug dealer on national TV. Um, you also saw the Easy e on It's On. It's devastating, violent, aggressive. Um, you know, this was after Suge Knight had allegedly threatened him with violence. He was always defiant. And I think the movie was unfair to him on this front. Some people around him said that with that meeting with Suge that he went to, he decided not to take his gun to that meeting because Suge knew, he knew Suge, not because he trusted him. He just knew him. He didn't feel in any danger. So to imply that he left himself exposed that way and, and got beat down, I, I feel like that's unfair. I, I haven't read too many accounts that say Izzy actually got beat down in that, that meeting. And, you know, if you talk about Eric Wright, the person, he was humble, vivacious, excitable, energetic, enthusiastic, hard worker, calculating and cunning. There's no one saying a bad word about Eric Wright. I, I would actually give listeners that challenge. If you can go find an interview with someone unreservedly shitting on Eric Wright, I will... Uh, I will eat an entire S. Carter Reebok if you fucking find one, man. Because I, <laughs> bro, I will. Because I can't find shit. Everyone was so. Everyone loved this man. They loved him, and and they they lift him up. And I'm not talking about the you know MTV news anchor who said that Easy is a danger to a menace to society. I don't mean that. I mean people around him who knew him. Um, and look, man. His business acumen and drive would define the hip-hop billionaire race years before it ever began. Jay-Z, Diddy, Dr. Dre, they're all descendants of Eazy-E. His, his mark on hip-hop will never be erased. Absolute legend.
Okay. So you say all that and now have to shit on the second album. I am not gonna talk about the second album. It's a fucking posthumous album, man. Like I'm not gonna talk about a posthumous album. I mean you can for sure, but like I I I find it difficult. It's it, ten months after he passed. Nah, 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 nah. So I listened to it for no reason. No, you can talk about it for sure. You didn't right, listen good, to it for no reason. Because I, I want to talk about it. Go. <laughs> if I can listen to it, I'm going to talk about it. No, go for it, man. It's totally your prerogative. I'm I mean, happy yes, you listen with to that it. All said, with that all said, this album's horrible. It is. Um, the only positive... The only positive... I love you. The only positive I could give it is like Easy E's um uh presence on the mic is just so much better. Like so much better. He's like doing different flows, like he's he's flowing. I uh, that's why I, that's why I kind of like my eyebrow twitched when you when you said like he's skating on uh, easy easy does it. I'm just like, is he? Because he this he, he he skates. Lyrically it's not is he's he's um he's not he's not skating, he's more um trying to think of a trying to think of a like a derogatory way of skating but now i can't think of one falling down uh, uh rollerblading and falling on your face i don't know um but <laughs> bro there's you, you guys have no you, there's no reason for you guys to listen to stuff like nuts on your chin okay it's just <laughs> 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 there's, there's no need it's fine don't worry I, like i'm not i'm not I, I don't like to not recommend to say you don't need to listen to stuff because I feel like most things have, you know, a place in the world that I like to be that person where it's like, you know, if someone does a song and it's terrible, I can't, I'm not going to say don't listen to this, this is trash because, you know, I, I just don't feel that's not, that's my place. But nuts on your chin, but if you ever, if you ever try and listen to it, just be aware, like, like the hook is literally just saying nuts on your chin, since you put yourself on my dick, I put my nuts on your chin, nuts on your chin, since I put on, you put yourself on my dick, I put my nuts on your chin. And then there's something like licking, sucking, fucking, which I'm really pissed off that it doesn't have the brackets interlude on it because then I can officially say it's the worst interlude I've ever heard. Um, but yeah, this is just, um, it's literally easy E, just like fucking ASMRing sex shit in your ear. <laughs> like, is it just him saying, you want this, baby? I'm just going to turn my mic up like to the 100 just as so I get the, get the vibe. I want it hot and juicy. Okay, oh, that's the way I like it. <laughs> Stop this shit, man. This is eight thirty a.m. on a Monday. <laughs> All right, I can kick it. I mean, can I stick it? <laughs> you're so distorted, too. It sounds like you're like right in my fucking ear with your tongue on my earlobe. Like it's nasty. I can feel your breath on my neck. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's so horrible, guys! It's so horrible. Like I can't. I I, I wish it was an interlude so I can def- say officially as the worst thing I've heard, but it's not. Um, but yeah, I, it's just regardless of that, it's just oh my gosh, it's so cringe. Um, and, you know, there's stuff like hit the hooker, which is funny enough, produced by Naughty by Nature of all people. Um, which is solid beat, but like yeah, it's just him about him hitting hookers. Uh, my baby's mama, just more, just like you know, just misogyny, great. Um, but yeah, you know, on a actually one more positive, shout out to DJ Ella just for producing most of this album, and uh, it's actually not bad produce uh, production wise. Um, but I am not rating it as Entertainment Weekly did a B. 
um, it's uh, it's a C minus at best. Um, so <laughs> and I don't rate albums, but I just saw that uh, just in passing, and I was like, B really B? Okay, it's clearly this in the same album as I did. Um, but yeah, uh, shout out to just to let you, just to let you know, I don't mind that one. I guess a good track out of the. I'm trying to find positives, but I can't. But yeah, it's just, just oh God, I can't get over looking stuck in fucking bro. Like I can't. Like, like I just don't get it. Like why? Why? Have you never What's, licked again, and sucked in why? fuck. Is that why you don't get it, bro? It's two minutes. Like it don't need to be that long. Like it's two minutes of just Look, him. Just can we just like can we just put a blanket fucking statement that we don't want to hear you rap about sex. We just don't. Give he's not fuck. even rapping. He's just saying it. He's I just saying it in fucking like the mic when it's like a hundred and right. Bro, in his, like I don't want to hear ASMR men. Mic. You know why you can't hear men in porn? Because you don't want to fucking he's hear not, men talk about Luth- sex. Yes, like, I don't want to. At least don't like get on Luther Vandross level. Like come on. Listen. I don't want to hear men talk about sex. I don't. I'm not interested in it. It's never good. It's just not um, even Teddy Pendergrass. I mean, look, R and B males. Turn yeah, up fuck the yeah. lights. I don't want to hear Chris Brown talk about it for sure, but like I do want to hear. Oh, you know, oh, oh! That's that's contemporary. Ooh. <laughs> I want to hear Did that. Did you say that because he got caught the other day? Did he? What did he do? Something oh, fun. look it up, bro. Look it up. Uh, why? Why you look that up right quick? Um, actually, it's funny enough. Uh, as we as we record, um, it's oh, uh, twenty six years ago what? today that straight off the motherfucking streets, uh, straight off, straight off the streets of motherfucking Compton actually dropped. So um, you know, happy birthday to. That album that um just just advise just advising you not the greatest album of all time, um and a lot of um just um really cringe tracks that I kind of wish I didn't listen to but um uh, yep I just wanted to get that out you you can understand guys when I when you listen to that album you can understand why I wanted to talk about it because there's no way I'm listening to that and not talking about it okay so um but while I may have shat on Ben's uh nice tight neat bowing of uh, easy story and life and life and career. I can't get past that 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 album, so it had to be done. But um, why? Why to go back? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading. Go back. for it. Go for it. I'm just go reading back it. Chris Brown, bro. Continue. Oh right, yeah. Um, so yeah, as, as Ben's uh, gathering info on the uh, on um a a, a a a story, I'm just I just I saw it and I was just like, wow, I'm not surprised. That's like, the least surprising headline. The least I've surprising seen in headline, my fucking yeah. life, bro. <laughs> it's like what? The what was, was sky is blue, um. <laughs> so so yeah, um uh, yeah. I feel like a lot of people have been vindicated on that particular front. But anyway, um. So yeah, I mean, bringing it back, I guess. Um, you know, I feel uh, kind of regurgitating what Ben said and what I said at the beginning. I feel like there's just a place in hip hop history that is just that wouldn't like that none of this would be what it is in a lot of ways if it weren't for someone like Easy E. Um, you know, you you made you kind of like. I guess hinted at the fact that um, you know, no limit cash money, and the reason why they're there is because Easy E was so on, uh, entrepreneurial. Obviously, you know, bringing out the the kind of the billionaire era um, and kind of being a precursor to that. And there is there is some credence to that, you know. Throw out someone like uh, Sylvia Robinson as well, um, who uh, you know obviously um, uh, b- b- worked on um, uh, the Sugar Hill Gang and uh, stuff like that. Um, so you know, her, someone like Easy E, I feel like those were you know genuine precursors to what we consider hip hop business for again for better or worse. Um, 
but just attitude and pers- one of the greatest personas I'll just say like ever like just just seeing a picture of NWA in all black there's just nothing better I just don't I just can't there's just something about it there's just so there's something so fucking raw just about those five dudes just standing there and an easy even like all black glasses just fucking looking just just hard like it's it's literally it should literally everything nwa every nwa picture any easy picture should just go on that twitter account picks go picks that go hard just just that um so yeah shout out to man like um as a just as a general persona and uh you know <clears throat> as a hip-hop legend in a lot of a lot of ways that we don't really talk about a lot you know we talk about the music legends you know what i mean that revolutionized you know lyricism or production or stuff like that but you know uh you know this is obviously a very anti-capitalist um show in a lot of ways um but again for better or worse i feel like easy really did pioneer a lot of things um and just an entrepreneurial attitude um towards how uh how to market hip-hop especially and honestly again I think a lot of it was really freaking easy to think about. Like comments in hindsight, it just comes across as common sense. Like you know, you, you've 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 mentioned it a couple of times of the interviews of like MTV and you know other news orgs. You know, just trying to trying to trying to gauge who are you people? Like like they're yeah. fucking aliens or something. It's just like bro, it's but it's but, just but, jarring but why would you call yourself niggas with attitudes? Like why would you do that? Bro, you know I mean, it's just like that, that's, that's derogatory. It's just, <laughs> so jarring. Well, I mean, in hindsight, it just comes so easy because, like, the free pub you get from that is just so easy. And you know, I mean, you can you can say someone like Lil Nas X gained, you know, maybe not via it's not via watching easy videos, but you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like Lil Nas X makes people uncomfortable, so news orgs just go like just say. You you make people uncomfortable, and he's like, okay, I have a record out. <laughs> so you know, it's easy. It's it, in hindsight, it just it just it's so common sense. But you know, you have to be that to you have to be that authentic self, um, and to realize that um, you're not like everybody else. And yeah, it's just, it's just it it's fascinating on that front. I'm just thinking about how. Um, people use word of mouth in a lot of ways. It's just a, just a, you know, that's the OG marketing, right? It's, you know, word of mouth is the OG marketing, and uh, Easy definitely had that, you know, gift of gab, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Easy, shout out to Easy, man. Rest in peace. We love you, Easy. Big facts. So, do you want to talk about Chris Brown or <laughs> do you have another light note? <laughs> No, nah, I mean, I don't, don't want to talk about Chris Brown. This shit is... Okay. When it, okay. Yeah, anyway, fucking hell. Uh-huh. Just, yeah. I, I should be careful when I mention certain people on Wax because I, I should really Google before I do that. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, you but man, tri- I, tripped up into that one. Yeah, I, got, I fell right into that one. Hey, head fucking tripped first. Right hey. I've not been concentrating mm. too much on the news cycle lately, so I missed that one. Um, you and me both. But yeah, man, look, this whole Spotify thing. Bro, don't come at me and tell me I need to delete 
my Spotify account and my Spotify playlist and everything, then don't say to me that it's my responsibility, okay? This is the lie. For a couple of weeks, by the way. This is a lie that capitalism has fucking drilled into you all. It's not about you as individuals. Hold big businesses to account. Don't just say indiscriminately, well, the people yeah, the should. The flag it's cringe. Yeah. If socialism is such a people power thing, then the people are the ones. Bro, that's not how it works. Capitalism is constructed so that these giant monolithic structures like Spotify, like giant supermarkets, like Tesla, like Amazon, that they're the only ones that can make the change. There's not. It's not possible for enough people to... Not. No one's going to leave Spotify. Like Joni Mitchell and Neil Young have left Spotify. That's cool. They're fucking millionaires man they can do it and i respect them fully i love them for it and i shout them out i am not a millionaire i can't afford to leave spotify and the underground artists that i promote on my playlist can't afford to leave either even if it is a tiny amount of money they're making off it this is the lie that capitalism has fucking told you you say that like it kind of puts people in this horrible position where they're like well i don't want to exist in this system so they try to live outside it, and then they, they drop below the poverty line, and they can't fucking survive. So then they have to get back into the system, work a shitty minimum ding, ding, wage ding, ding. job. And then they're just, they just get... That's the whole thing, man. That's the fucking cycle. That's the whole point. And I'm not saying that we don't have any powers individuals. I'm not saying you should just give up and not advocate for things. I'm not saying that at all. But I don't, no one should be coming at individuals and saying, you're, it's your responsibility. It's not Spotify's responsibility. It is Spotify's responsibility, man. Don't let capitalism fucking lie to you like that. They're the ones with the power. They're the ones with the influence. They're the ones with the power to change shit. And every time they don't, that's on them. It's not on listeners. It's not on individual artists. It's not on, it's not anyone's responsibility except Spotify. And that doesn't mean you can't do shit. That doesn't mean you can't leave Spotify if you want to. That doesn't mean that you can't change because to another another streaming service because you you don't fuck with Spotify. But how deep do you want to take this? Like, how deep do you want to go? And that's the thing, man. You can't fight every fucking battle all the time. You've got to pick your battles. You've got to choose. You've got to stand on your values. And you've got to be like, okay, I don't fuck with Spotify. I'm going to leave. But if you stay with Spotify, don't fucking get down on yourself and be like, oh, I'm a terrible person. Like, man, that's not that's the fucking lie that, that capitalism tells you. So that's my rant for the day. But shout out Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. That's amazing. And anyone who tells me that Joe Rogan is not influential, I have to leave that conversation <laughs> immediately, bro. Like, Spotify would not have him on their platform if he wasn't influential. That's not how it works. So, yeah. Yeah, you, are, yeah, you guys don't... You, you guys... You know, you're saying that he ain't important, but you understand that he got a fucking big ass bag to have his shit on Spotify exclusively. Fuck. So, hundreds how, of can, how do you, of how do you, how do you, how do you disconnect both of those? Like, how do you possibly, how can you possibly disconnect that? Like, you understand people receive money because they are good at something, or well, let's let's, let's not say good, because they're popular in something that they do. Right, so you understand that, but you don't understand that he's influent. He's influential. You think he's not influential, even though he received hundred mil. Like even even with that said, and I'll throw this um, to another to a slightly different line note, which is you know Spotify, still Spotify related, but and po- still podcast related actually. Harry and Meghan received thirty mil, and they haven't dropped shit yet, bro. I drop two t- two to six every every week. On any given week, 
give me 1% of that. I'm good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, give me capitalism. 1% of that it, and I am good. You'll get product from me. Churn me out. It's fine. Good. I'm, I'm here for it. Churn me the fuck out. Give me 1% of that and I'll churn whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They 30 mil and they've done nothing. Sat on their batty. And Price. I'm not even hating on it. I'm not even hating on it. I Good am. for them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fair enough. I mean, yeah, get the bag. Fuck Spotify. They gave you money to do nothing. I don't care about what Megan and Harry are going to do on this podcast front. I didn't care what uh, Michelle Obama had on the podcast front. Oh, what, a couple of interviews? What be do? Like, well, go go get your bag. Fine, do you. But I'm not listening to it. I don't care. Like, you know, there's just... Uh, I mean, I have my different... I have weird tastes when it comes to podcasts anyway. But, like... I don't get it. I just don't. I don't really see why people just love listening to the same to to people talk about something that, like you know, like you can get it for free. Like I don't. I don't get it. But anyway, I I, I just don't get. I don't get why Spotify have this like penchant for just pay, overpaying people, uh, mad shit. But you know, I I I don't want to toot this trumpet, but I have to because you know, so it's, it's, it's a antiquated trumpet. Let's be real, but it's a trumpet nevertheless to toot. Yeah, you give people hundred mil, thirty mil, you're throwing that left and right, but you can't you can't raise you can't bump up uh. that per listen. You can't bump that up. You can't I'm not even saying like like just at least do it. I don't know, bro, just I'm not an economist, but you know, you can rise it up marginally, surely. Like it, at least just do it for just just to have some like good publicity at least, you know what I mean? Oh we oh we've raised we've raised it but now it's zero point zero zero one. Not zero 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 one. We've just taken out a zero. Like, you know, just... <laughs> Let's see. Bro, <laughs> like, this do, is... Do something, this, bro. This is a crossroads that Spotify was at, and this is a crossroads a lot of businesses find themselves at, where they're like, do we continue to, you know, like, dilute our profits no, by They don't have helping? rules to this. They don't they have don't, rules to this. Exactly. And, and, yeah. this, and Spotify has clearly made the decision, and this is why I'm, I'm not begrudging anyone leaving Spotify... They've made the decision. No, 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 no. We're just gonna f- we're gonna make as much money as we can. We don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, we genuinely They're unregulated don't care. at this point. Yeah. Like oh, this yeah. is Neil Young and Joni Mitchell saying to a music streaming platform, where two of the greatest artists of all time. Don't give me shit about saying you, you don't know who you. If you don't know who Neil Young is, that's cool. That's on you entirely. That's not on Neil Young. I've, ne- I've never spun, but. That's fine, but you have to recognize he's a fucking legend, and he's always been a fucking legend. He's he's a legendary musician, Joni Mitchell, legendary musician, and Spotify have said, no, no, no we don't want your music. We want this right wing conservative fucking talking for hours podcaster to Jordan and it's, Peterson. It's I mean, look, man, we don't, bro. Come on now, what the fuck and. It's not on YouTube. Like, people have been hammering YouTube. YouTube is... A, is a, People just put shit up on YouTube. Joe Rogan just puts his shit up on YouTube. YouTube don't seek these guys out. Spotify sought Joe Rogan out and gave him the fucking exactly. biggest bag you could ever imagine. Exactly. And exactly. they they claim, they're saying, we're not profitable. We don't make enough money to pay artists. Bro, how did you get that 100 milli to fucking give Rogan? Like, where the fuck did that come from? I don't know how much it was. People were saying it was over 100 million. I'm trying it's to get it I think it's 100 mil. Bro, what the fuck, man? Like, and that's the thing. That's the thing. Just, I, I don't, if if Spotify came to me, and this this is the key point, okay? Spotify came to me and Charlie, Charlie and I, and said, we're going to give you X amount of dollars for your podcast. Do you think I'm going to turn that down? No, because I don't have any fucking money. 
I'm poor. Like, I mean, I'm not poor. I'm, I'm okay. I'm middle class, I guess. But like, of course, I'm going to fucking take that because I'm not a fucking billionaire. I can't. This is income that I need. Just because I don't fuck with Spotify doesn't mean that I'm going to say, no, 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 I can't take that. Fuck capitalism, bro. I'm, I I want nice things too, man. I want to eat the good butter. I don't want to eat the shitty butter. I want to eat the good butter. Like, You know what I mean? I don't want to buy the crappy why, vegetables why that are eight days old. I want to buy the fresh broccoli. I want to buy that shit that is <coughs> popping fresh, but I've got to buy the snap frozen shit. So... Look, man, just get off my back about Spotify. I like I like Spotify. I'm just going to keep using it. I'm going to keep supporting independent artists through it. But that doesn't mean that I can't simultaneously criticize it. You can hold two things. Like, stop getting all black and white and, and zero-sum game about this shit. That's not how it works. I'm just wondering how bad is that bar? Like, for you to even cons- con- constitute what is good bar and bad bar? Like... <laughs> Bro, there's this thing in in, in, in Australia called regular spread. All right, that's all it's called. They don't tell you what you're spreading. They just call it regular spread. And you look on the back, and that shit has got 18 different fucking ingredients in it, and I don't know what any of them are. But it resembles butter, and oh if you close your eyes and visualize oh, you're eating okay. butter, you can almost taste butter and that's the thing what i don't get about margarine is right it's clearly margarine but all margarine all the good margarine is is marketed around butter buttery tastes like butter has that butter butter vibe has that yeah, butter? i don't, I don't bro, get what i don't, don't get the shoot, purpose of margarine I've don't never shoot yourself in the foot like that man like why does margarine, margarine exist stand yeah, why on does it. margarine even exist call yourself it. margarini say this is great margarini taste i mean don't, don't. A substitute. It literally says in the Wikipedia, a substitute for butter. It is. <laughs> so what is it? Just less less fat. Main yeah, ingredients: it's, vegetable oils. Is that it's why? Just it's got, it's, it's got oils. shittier ingredients, so it's cheaper. That's the yeah. That's so it's just the, made from oils. That's yeah. the vibe. That's kind of that's kind of it. So and then butter's obviously made from milk. I mean, I guess like I feel like margarine's probably going to be the vibe at some point because um you know ve- vegan vegans come in um but yeah. Okay, I don't. Okay, let's stop here because I feel like yeah, we've we... gone from Spotify to margarine. Yeah. <laughs> Jump the shark, ladies and gentlemen. Proletariat podcast, man. We're fucking Proletariat podcast. Back, back with in full <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth Foot Podcast Network, this has been the Proletariat Podcast. So if you've enjoyed this week's episodes, I've been Chaito of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. I hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. We shall always try and do the same. Not not me, just me. Don't know what Ben's going to do. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I do my own thing. <laughs> he tries something. Um, he tries to find good bar. Uh, um, until the next time, take it easy. Alright, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is piece of mini games by bonus points. Thanks to Chill Breakers for being to use. Socials for Fifth Element Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Breakers will be the full show notes for every listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits. <laughs>